Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullen. Kick and chase again by Mullen. Welcome back to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod on this Tuesday, January the 3rd, the first one of 2023. Jimmy Buckley with you ahead of the third test between Australia and South Africa at the SCG, joined by former New Zealand cricket captain and Racing and Sports head of wagering, the fearless and peerless Ken Rutherford. Welcome back, Ken, and Happy New Year, mate. Yeah, likewise, Jameson, to our many listeners out there. Uh, have a great New Year, punting-wise, and in general... Good health to everyone as the as twenty twenty three, can you believe it, unfolds in front of us. Plenty to look forward to. Twenty twenty two was terrific, one particularly that last month or so with the World Cup in Qatar and the and the extreme drama around that final in particular, James. Um, but look like twenty twenty three's looking to be as good, if not better. It's a smorgasbord. We get the Rugby World Cup in 2023. Yeah, we do. And look, we can talk briefly about the odds. I think France are around $455. And then I think Ireland might be second favourite, so the All Blacks, something around about then. But look, it's it's, it's going to be a competition. Nothing much will change, I don't think. Um, you can look at the form of all the teams now and and take a line through, through there. I think the team that might improve the most, I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here in a studio in Canberra, is, is Australia. I think Australia will go really well, I think. Give Rennie a chance with a, uh, a settled squad of players, in particular a, a squad that's injury free, and I think Australia will be a good outside chance. I think at around about fifteen, sixteen dollars shots at the moment. Yeah, I mean it's all about peaking in your four year cycle, really, isn't it? It is, and look, he's had no luck with uh, with injuries during the course of the last twelve months, Dave Rennie, and he can coach a rugby union side. There's no doubt about that. So if you get your best players available, as hopefully you will. Um, let's let's watch out for improved performance by the men in yellow. Now we're leaning on your cricket expertise today. After a, a summer that the South Africans would probably want to forget, I'd say the first test over in two days at the mm. Gabba, the Aussies win by six wickets. Not that Australia were anything special with the bat. The second test, Australia wins by an innings and 182 runs down at the MCG. Now the third test, which begins tomorrow at the Sydney Cricket Ground, Australia paying a dollar thirty three. The draw four dollars and seventy five cents, and South Africa eight dollars fifty. I think I read that maybe five of the last eight tests at the SCG had mm. been drawn. Yeah, uh, plenty of CNA potential selection news too, uh, particularly around the Aussies. What's your initial take on this one, Rudds? Well, it all, all reverts back selection wise, James, around what's going to happen uh, with the makeup of the final eleven. Both sides have options around, including an extra spinner. Uh, Ashton Agar has been included in the Australian squad of 14. Uh, Simon Harmer, who I rate very highly, an off-spinner with a lot of experience in English county cricket. He's in the South African squad, and I'll be very surprised and hugely disappointed, actually, if he doesn't play, because he can bowl. I mean, uh, Maharaj is a, is a good bowler, a good cricketer, actually, Maharaj. But I, I do rate uh, Harmer as potentially a better spin bowler. So hopefully South Africa will have the... The guts uh, to, to, to make that sort of call and to play Harmer and, and Maharaj on the side. It'll be, mean leaving out the likes of Ngeti. And then, I hate to bring it up, but it comes into question then issues around quota and how many players of colour can make the final 11. So that might be 
unfortunately from their perspective something which needs to be factored into the final selection so I'd imagine all things being equal two spinners should play for both sides the team being first to win the toss and bat uh, looking at the Sheffield Shield game that was played there not so long ago James New South Wales against Western Australia a very short game and the spinners were 2-4 to four, I think out of the 20 wickets that uh, 40 wickets that fell, about 30-something of them were spin bowlers who got wickets. And, and Chris Green, who's a he's a decent cricketer, more in the T20 ilk than uh, the four-day uh, form, uh, he got nine wickets, I think, in that game. So, And he's, he's just a right-arm off-spinner of, of some ability. So you, you imagine test-quality spinners will get even more out of a spinning SCG track. South African-born Chris Green, is that right? I think he might be. Uh, it's an interesting stat. You're talking about South African-born players playing around the world at the moment. I was <laughs> yeah. listening to the ABC radio coverage, uh, the last uh, test match in Melbourne, and the st- statistician there brought up this one. It's the 64 players of South African origin not playing for South Africa, but who are available or could have been available to play for South Africa right now. And I guess you bring into play those names such as Devin Conway, Neil Wagner, um, Glenn Phillips are all playing for New Zealand at the moment, but obviously they've pledged their allegiance to, to the Black Caps. But there's lots of players playing county cricket. There's lots of players perhaps here in Australia as well. Manus Labashane Labish, will be the, that kind of name. So it's, it's, it's interesting. They've made decisions, though, South Africa, haven't they, in terms of the way their cricket is to be structured. And um, you know, at the moment they're really struggling for depth, particularly in batsmen. Now the Aussies, uh, this could be a hard one for the selectors, but it could also be very easy. You mentioned Ashton Agar. I think they can probably afford to go in one batsman less, really, after Alex Carey's uh, heroics down there at the MCG, scoring his maiden century. I mean, he could easily bat at six, filling the spot that Cameron Green uh, would usually be playing, were it not for, uh, I think, a broken finger. And then you could go in with your five bowlers and your two spinners being Nathan Lyon and... Ashton Agar. They've also got some fast bowling dilemmas, potentially. Josh Hazelwood's fit again. Mm. Scott Boland uh, did well down at Melbourne. You've also got uh, Lance Morris, who they reckon mm. uh, is the quickest bowler in Australia right now. How, how, what would you do? Yeah, I, I think most likely uh, Morris won't play, although I think everyone's sort of hoping he will play because he's he's got this reputation as being a, a real quick of, of some promise and some some real speed. And let's face it, we all love to watch Test cricket in particular when there's a, a quick bowler operating. Yeah, the choice will be straight out whether they want to go in one batsman short and bat Carey at number six in the order, followed by Agar at seven, Cummins eight, Scotty Borland, Josh Hazelwood and, and Nathan Lyon filling up nine, ten, eleven, or they play Renshaw in the middle order. I know he's opened a lot for Queensland and when he made his Test debut a few years ago, I think four years ago, he did open the batting, didn't he? But if you look at his form against spin bowling, he's got some very useful form batting in the middle order. So there's a feeling with Australia going to India in the next three or four months that he might be a guy who will be uh, looking for a spot in the middle order to play spin bowling in Indian conditions. So the choice will be they put, if they put Renshaw in at six, move Kerry down. But then there is that dilemma about which quick bowler you leave out. I think they'll definitely play Agar, otherwise why bring him into the squad? Um, and then the, 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 the dilemma is around whether it's Borland or Gee, I hate to say it, but Hazelwood, but I can't see that happening really. Um, so I, I think they'll play Kerry at six, Agar at seven. Renshaw won't get a game as part of the squad for a, good, for a long-term uh, a vision point of view. Yeah, and Renshaw has performed at the SCG test before. Look, from a punning perspective, Ken, how do we play this one? A couple of players who I've, I've pinpointed here, James. I mentioned Simon Harmer, the South African off-spinner. I think he will play, and if he does play, I think he'll pose... 
some real problems to the Australian batting lineup. He's at $5 to be the top wicket taker in the first innings for South Africa. Uh, so there's some value there. I was sort of hoping that maybe he'd slipped under the bookies' guard, to be quite frank. I thought fives were a bit short. We might have got six or 650 even, but I'm prepared to take the fives. And a couple of batsmen, and look, if you, if you want to back both, you'll probably make money off both. Uh, just, um, but maybe take the choice of Usman Kawaja or Manus Labba Shane. Both failed in, in, at the MCG, which is particularly unusual for Manus. He doesn't fail very often at all. But they would have been pretty annoyed seeing all these runs being scored by their teammates, and then seeing how quickly Savica capitulates. So they did get a second chance, so they'll both be thirsty, hungry, and all sorts of things for for runs of the SCG. And if you look at Kawaja's record at the MCG, 590 test runs, an average of 98.3. Labaskarni or Labashay, not, not far off, 533 runs at 76. So two fellows who love playing at the SCG, of course, Usman got a double 200s against England there last year in the Ashes test there. So two guys who uh, always enjoy the surrounds of the Sydney cricket ground, $5 around Kawaja and $4 around Labashane. Other two to perhaps look at for the most runs in the first innings for Australia. You mentioned the head-to-head prices, dollar thirty-three Australia. They should be winning. I would put a little rider in that. If South Africa do manage to win the toss, they will bat. Whichever side wins the toss will bat. I'm not saying back South Africa, but there could be some value in the draw there. Four seventy-five will probably come into about four twenty-five on the on the back of the of the toss if it went South Africa's way. There could be a little bit of value in taking the draw price. I looked at the forecast, a few thunderstorms around Sydney for the first three days, so whether the game goes a whole duration, let's wait and see. Yeah, I like your thinking there. You'd have to think, um, you know, whether or not Australia bat first or second probably doesn't matter. Shouldn't. They will, you would think, in that first innings, potentially spend two days at the crease. I mean, like you mentioned there, Marnus and Uzi, uh, certainly love the SCG. David Warner absolutely loves it. He does Steve too. Smith doesn't mind yeah, batting there either. I disregarded those two. You can't <laughs> back them all. I just thought Usman and Manus, they'll be absolutely dying to get out there. Yeah. And if they did get a start and get to 20 or 30, they're going to kick on. Uh, but you're right. Uh, the whole team seems to like betting on the SCG. It's, it's a nice betting strip. I, I would just say about South African cricket, where are all their batsmen? I mean... Jeepers! Um, it's, just, it's not just the fact that they can't score runs, these guys, but they don't look like scoring runs. The, the techniques are awful, you know, and, and thinking back to when I played over there, Provincial Cricket, Curry Cup, four-day cricket, the, you, you, in that stage you had Gary Kirsten, who was opening the batting for South Africa, uh, Herschel Gibbs, Shark Callis, you had lots of Daryl Callan, who's an outstanding player. I couldn't get running his warning, but... Believe me, could really play. Uh, you guys like Johnny Rose, Cronier, other other players who, who who played in the top team. But if you went through their provincial sides, you had guys who could really bat, who were getting not just hundreds in provincial cricket, but double hundreds and regularly. Guys like Louis Wilkinson played for Free State, Louis Cunn, who played a few games in South Africa, who played for Eastern Province. And I could go to every province and give you three or four guys with great techniques. Well, where are they now? Because those sorts of names, the likes of Cunn and and Wilkerson in particular, they'd be walking into this current South African side. And you look at a guy like Van der Dusten, who's probably going to come back in at number three on the back of De Bruyne going, De Bruyne going back home because uh, his, his wife's having their first child, the number three batsman. He's got a really good one-day record. I think he's averaging 70 in one-day international cricket, but he can't average more than about 29 or 30 in test match cricket. And he's had a fair old chance. So they're sort of relying on guys who 
can get starts but don't can't kick on. Mm. And really, I, I, I kind of feel really sorry for Dean Algar because he, he he almost gives the appearance of a guy who's trying too hard. He's he's kind of he's got the weight of the world, not just his team on on on, on his shoulders. And he's a really good player, gutsy player, determined player. He's the best player in, in, my, in my opinion. But at the moment, he just can't can't get a start because I think the Australians are bowling really well to him. They they know how important he is to to the South African batting lineup. But he's also just you can just tell he's a guy who is just every concern, every worry in the world <laughs> around his team. <laughs> it's all about him, you know, and he knows that. And uh, you got to feel for the guy. It's amazing. When you think we're not that far removed from the likes of you know Hashim Amler and, and AB De Villiers, JP Dumini, Jacques Rudolph, Jacques know, Rudolph, blokes that could occupy the crease for long periods of time. That's and that's the key, and and all had good techniques. I mean JP Dumini, you mentioned, he had a terrific technique. I mean a, a guy who knew when to leave the ball outside off stump, but with a short, he would cut it, or he would hook it, or pull it, and he'd drive the ball through the covers effortlessly. So. And he was a guy given opportunities and uh, and took them. Um, you, you look at the step. I mean, Varane's a good keeper. He's a good keeper batsman, but he's a number six in, in test matches, test match cricket. I wouldn't have thought so. He's a good cricketer. Um, Marco Janssen's a really good cricketer, but is he a number seven just yet? He's only really played one one season of, of test cricket. So a lot of holes there. And talking to my South African mates back, back in the Republic, there aren't many options in terms of the next best coming through. Yeah, now just uh, just to wrap up there quickly before we move on to the big bash, Simon Harmer, five dollars to be the top wicket taker in the first innings for South Africa, and maybe back Usman Khawaja or and or Manus Labashain to be the top Aussie run scorer. Just a couple of quick ones. Wayne Bristow, our cricket correspondent here at Racing and Sports, likes. Kyle Varane to score over twenty one point five runs at a dollar eighty three in the first innings. He has been fairly consistent with the bat. And uh, Anrich Norche, have I said that right? Norkia. 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 Top wicket taker. Let's hope he gets a new ball. I think he took a new ball at the MCG, did he? He's, well, look, he's quick. He's, yeah. he's lightning. Yeah, no, Wayne likes him over two and a half wickets at $2.20. Thinks there might be a bit of value there. Now, Big Bash League, Rudds, I know you've been watching a fair mm. bit of this, especially over the break. Before we get to a couple of games we want to have a quick look at, Michael Nisa took a very controversial catch to dismiss Jordan Silk as the Brisbane Heat held on for a high-scoring win over the Sydney Sixers. He was on the boundary. He couldn't quite catch the ball at the first time of asking, so he got a couple of hands to it, tossed it up in the air, jumped over the other side of the rope, so he's now outside the field of play, jumped up in the air once more and tapped the ball back into the field of play and then had a third crack at it, took the catch, and... Silk was dismissed. The umpires deemed it a legal play, despite the fact that he had handled the ball while outside of the field of play. What did you make of all this, mate? Yeah, look, it's uh, it's probably a, a loophole in a rule which is, is going to get uh, filled up in some way or corrected. I, I watched it live and I thought, well, there's no way in the wide, wide world that's, that can be out because of what you said. Before he touched the ball out of play, I know he was at the year, he actually had gone out of play in the course of affecting the catch in the, in the, in the first instance. So I, I think the rule will be uh, corrected. I, I guess there's another school of thought, thought, however, would say that do we want to deny the kind of improved fielding aspect that T20 has provided the game of cricket? And that's an example. Not just in terms of the, the technical skill involved, but 
in terms of the resourcefulness, I suppose, which has been uh, found by Nisha on this occasion. Now, the rules allow it, I understand. The, the pure reading of that particular rule does, does allow it. Do I think it should probably be allowed to happen uh, overall? Maybe not, but a certain amount of admiration for the for the um, you know the pure gall of the guy Nisa to have the balls and the thought process to to actually enact that that catch. It was a br- brilliant piece of fielding, whatever way you look at it. Well, what do you think? Um, I think no catch, no way in hell is that a catch. <laughs> I mean, if you look at comparable examples in say I don't know yeah. rugby league for example, if you leave the ground from outside the field of play, you're still considered to be out of play. So, yeah. you know, you can't touch the footy. And there's been a couple of examples, actually. I think the 2020, the Raiders went up and played the Roosters in the second week of the final at the SCG, and, and they almost scored a miraculous try, length of the field. And I think it may have been Tom Starling or, or Jordan Rappiner, perhaps, who, where that happened, he was outside of the field of play, and, and he sort of left the field and... and hammered the ball back inside and the Raiders got it and they scored, but then they took a look at yeah. it and said, no, sorry, mate, you were out of play. So I think, um, I mean, we've got boundaries and so forth for a reason. They will no doubt be updating and modifying that rule, I would imagine. Terrific game of cricket that was, actually. That was the game where the club cricketer Josh Brown, who's who's made a bit of a cult figure out of himself, I reckon. We've seen developing that kind of reputation, came in and whacked about 60 off 23 balls or something. I think that he got 220 or didn't they? And um, the opposition got within about 20. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Good to see. Good, uh, good, exciting game of Big Bash cricket, which should keep the broadcasters happy. We won't go into that here no. after the new $1.5 billion broadcast deal. But uh, we've got a few games to look forward to over the next couple of days. The uh, Melbourne Derby's on this evening. That's Tuesday night. The Stars, $1.77, and the Renegades, $2.05. Renegades captain Nick Maddinson yeah. ruptured his ACL. Mm. So rotten uh, rotten bit of luck there. But um, they, they, they didn't need that bit of luck, to be honest. Oh. Um, their batting is kind of wafer thin, really. I mean, they rely on Aaron Finch, who, who wants to bat four. I reckon he should be at the top and, and taking on that responsibility because he is their best player. I see Martin Guptill's getting a crack, or has got a crack the last couple of games, and he'll be taking guard against Trent Bolt tonight, so a bit of a Kiwi influence there. I actually thought the Stars were a, a really good bet in this game tonight. 177 head-to-head, Renegades 205. I, I, the Stars themselves have had their travails with uh, their batting lineup. Joe Clark's looked good on occasions. Uh, Bo Webster's had a few moments. Stoinis got some runs the other day, and he does that, doesn't he? He, he, he gets runs maybe one and three or four and looks for a million dollars and then can't quite get started again, but... Let's hope he gets some form tonight because I think the Stars are a good thing at $1.77. I also think the English left armour from Nottinghamshire, Luke Wood, can get amongst the wickets at three seventy five. He He got a five for about three games back and he's one of these guys who does bold in the last couple of overs when they really are whacking them, strapping the year and getting caught. So I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Wood gets gets amongst the wickets tonight too, James. But I thought the Stars at one seventy seven. I wasn't sure if that price being corrected or not on the back of that Madison news, so maybe that price has shortened up since then. Yeah, well, if if not a dollar seventy-seven, I agree, does look a fantastic price. We have two games tomorrow. Now the Sixers play the Heat again. Uh, the Sixers a dollar sixty-eight, and the Brisbane Heat two dollars twenty. On this occasion, this could be uh, could be more fireworks. Not sure about the Heat's betting. Uh, the other night they they were very very good. Whether they can keep that up, I 
I'd like to think that that Josh Brown, the the new sensation, will will get amongst them again. But I think he might be a bit one or two dimensional. I don't know if he's quite got the craft uh, to have a, a longish career in the game. But let's let's hope I'm wrong because he certainly brings a lot of fun to it. Uh, he doesn't quite hit sixes; he hits twelve. So I mean, there were a couple of the Illinois. My God. You hit them so far, and with a bat that he made himself, James. Can you believe that? He makes his own bats. <laughs> oh, that's the best part of the story. He seems quite a character, and this is one element of the Big Bash I do really like, is yeah. uh, the, the the emergence every now and then of a club cricketer who comes out and actually makes a score. Oh, mate, I, I completely agree. Look, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he has got longevity, and I hope he does thrill us for the next three or four years and maybe on the international stage as well because he has got something. Everyone loves to see a... Uh, shall we say a uh, not trim athletic build someone who we can all relate to um, <laughs> go out there and uh, wield the willow in a, in a wildly expansive manner so let's hope that he does have uh, a bit of a career in the game Mr Brown but I thought $1.68 about the sixes is good money I, I thought all things being equal the likes of uh, James Vince Josh Philippi at the top of the order for both those two look to be hit, hitting some form uh, their betting does appear to be a lot a lot more depth than the heat. You know, I thought the Sixers would start things off tomorrow well at $1.68. They really lose two in a row, the Sixers. Uh, and then finally we go west. The Scorchers and the Thunder in a, a bit of a top-of-the-table clash here. The Perth yeah. Scorchers $1.65 and the Thunder $2.25. I was trying to find a, a, a reason to, to back the Scorchers, and I've, I've kind of... I thought at the start of the season I was talking to a couple of mates who, who follow the, the BBL teams and we all kind of agreed on the Scorchers. We just thought they lacked a bit of overall depth, actually, um, compared to past years. They, Mitchell Marsh, I don't think, has played a game. He's been injured and they've lost a couple of other players. Monroe's gone to the heat. Maybe there wasn't a big loss, but he certainly did a job for the Scorchers over the last couple of years, Colin Monroe. So, but they've certainly proved me wrong in terms of their start to the, to the campaign. They've played... Six matches and one five, so you can't complain about about their form. But I'm all over the Thunder tomorrow night. I, I, I really am. Two twenty five about the Thunder. I think you can multi those three that I've tipped out: the Stars, Sixes, and the Thunder up to a six dollar seventy uh, multi odds. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if the Sydney Thunder win the BBL, having been bowled out for fifteen? <laughs> That will be some stat. I mean, that'll be they'll be rivalling who did Argentina lose to in the 2022 World yeah. Cup, yeah. Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's just ridiculous to think they could lose and then win the World Cup. To think you get bowled out for 15 and come back and potentially win a BBL, which I think they can do actually. I just love watching Alex Harles bat because he doesn't he does it effortlessly. He he, he doesn't look as though he premeditates that much, although he probably does. Every shot seems to be instinctive. Every shot seems to be on the basis of the way the ball's been bowled to him. Uh, offside, leg side, straight down the wicket. He can play all the scoop shots when he when he feels the, the need to. And he's just devastating. <laughs> and uh, the other night he was devastating. I watched him play at the Adelaide Oval a couple of weeks ago. He got a few runs and um, he's just a good player. And if you see his technique at the time of contact, if he's given himself a little bit of room inside out over cover... At that point of contact, that actual that shot, his foot's in a great position, front foot's in a great position, back foot, the swing of the bat, it's technically pretty darn solid. And it's, it's, it's quite refreshing and to see a T20 player play in a real cavalier way and, and be successful at it, but with a base of technique which is still pretty rock solid. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He's a 
fantastic striker of the ball. Very good to see. And that is, well, that's a good price if that's the case, $2.25. So just to recap quickly there, Rudd's likes the Melbourne Stars tonight at $1.77. The Sydney Sixers tomorrow to beat the Heat. That's paying $1.68. And then the Sydney Thunder to go to Perth and win tomorrow night at $2.25. Multi it all up and uh, you're looking at better than $6 there. And if you're looking for something else tonight, Luke Wood to be the leading wicket taker for the Stars at $3.75. Uh, that's absolutely plenty for the punters to be getting on with, Rudds. Thank you, mate. We'll, uh, we'll catch up maybe later in the week and redirect our attention to the round ball action in the UK. It's been, uh, it's been a little while. It has been a little while. There's been quite a few changes, hasn't there? Arsenal have maintained their, uh, their push for the title after quite a, quite a period of uh, non-performance uh, in the EPL and uh, Burnley are going Wooshka in the, in the championship. Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating to watch. Uh, I think there still might be a bit more to play out, certainly in that English Premier League. We'll touch on that uh, on Friday morning. But until then, happy punting.